everybody. Welcome to the Homemarkies podcast. We are really excited today to be here to be doing a bonus episode for you where we are talking about some classic films. And I bet y'all didn't know that there are four movies in the Father of the Bride franchise. And we're going to be talking about that today. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and Russ Serfini's here. Hello, Rachel. Hello, film lovers alike. I guess. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Rachel? It's been a while since we talked. I know, since Christmas. <laughs> wow, already Christmas. Yeah. How has your 2021 been? So far, so good. I'm back to work. I am working like a mad woman in the best way possible. Good. Well, that's good. I, I think we can all use a little more busyness after uh, 2020. <laughs> after nothingness of 2020? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Agreed. Agreed. But we, it wasn't all a loss in 2020 because we ranked the Paratrap movies. And that was pretty fun. That was fun. And like you said, before, you know, earlier that people might not have known that there was four movies to Father the Bride. I didn't know there was like five movies to Paratrap. What? Right. <laughs> yes, because there's three made-for-TV movies, plus the remake, plus the original. Yeah. So there's all of the parent trap that you could want. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. more than what you actually ask for. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but we had a lot of fun doing that. And so that's what I thought when you're kind of coming up in September what are we gonna what are we gonna talk about? So I had the idea that it would be fun to watch the uh, the Father's Bride movies and I'm gonna try to rank them. It's tough though because I they're pretty similar. There's not like huge differences between these four movies. Yeah, I, I would say. Yeah, I would say the major, major differences would be Father's Little Dividend and Father of the Bride Part Two, I think. Yeah. Those were the biggest differences, which we'll definitely yeah. get into. I'd agree. And the the remakes definitely amp up the madcap sort of humor. But there's like, we'll talk about it, but there's literally like lines from the 1950 movie in the remake, like verbatim. Yeah. And yeah. direct references. Or if the mm -hmm. if the lines aren't verbatim, they're definitely referencing yeah. back to the original. They even have, in the 1991, they have the same wedding gift <laughs> that is given in 19... I don't know if it's literally the same, but the ugly statue clock <laughs> yes. that's in both. So they really are pretty similar. So it makes it hard to rank because you are a little bit nitpicking. And I try, I definitely have like quite a bit of nostalgia for the night, for the remakes. Uh, they're, they're, I love, I love them. So it's hard not to just go off of that and have them be the top. It just makes ranking difficult. <laughs> yeah. We'll Agreed. I mean, like, obviously, uh, you know, the, the nine, the nineties versions of father, of the brides are you know our generation so we might be a little biased yeah that's right but, um, yeah i think they do hold up very well mm -hmm. yeah and it's interesting i was actually just talking about this with uh with somebody that for some reason it seems like remakes do well in romantic comedies you yeah. know i, I mean i can you think like parent trap you think 
You think uh, Father of the Bride. You think uh, Sabrina. I really love that remake. I love You've Got Mail. I mean, there are a lot. Uh, it seems to be a genre because a lot of times remakes are just terrible. But for some reason, it seems to be a genre that does well with remakes. Yeah. And, you know, the 90s remakes of romantic comedies done well. I'm not yeah, sure true. today's remakes like 20 years later are doing well, but the nineties definitely hold up. Yeah. I mean, we, we haven't really, I, I can't even think of anything to compare. I mean, unless you're talking something like La La Land or something like that, which is more like an homage than a remake. And, yeah. and I, I hate to be that person, but I did not love La La Land. <laughs> I, think I would because I'm yeah. all about music and dancing and colorful and, you know, frenetic mm-hmm. energy. But I, for some reason, La La Land just did not hit it with me. I liked it. I wasn't in love with it. It was fine for me. I thought it was okay. I was like, but... I watched it once. And you think that would be a movie like maybe 20-year-old Marissa would be watching compulsive. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It was something that, about that movie just did not do it for me. Yeah. But, I, but there's just not that many romantic comedies made, period, these days. Uh, but uh, they, so it's hard to come up with a one to think about when you're talking about recent remakes. But I'm sure there's some that people could um could talk about. But anyway. There's a, like, uh, what are you talking about? What about these movies? Right. <laughs> but even it's not really, I guess, a romantic comedy, but even like something like the Footloose remake was pretty decent, I thought. Like it's not as good as the original, but that's like so you say Footloose, because I literally watched the original <laughs> Footloose like a week ago. Oh really? Yes, yeah. Because that movie is great. And I think that maybe the reason why remakes and romantic comedies tend to work a little bit better than other genres is that the basic building blocks of a romantic comedy are pretty simple. Yes. And so, I don't know, it makes it harder to super screw up. It's not like you've got, you know, fantastical creatures or, you know, you don't have like sci-fi to elements to deal with. It's just a love story. And so right. I think and- that's maybe why. Romantic comedies have the exact same tropes over and over again that we we all know and love, and we're, we mm-hmm. as the audience are very conditioned to see all those like yeah. building blocks. I think what really makes romantic comedies great are the actors that are portraying the stories that we already know. Like we have to like the characters. I think that's yeah. why we might be having a hard time with these current romantic comedies because not many couples are really standing out to me right now that like we fall in love with the personality and the charisma yeah i mean i i really liked crazy rich asians but i have to say that i i think i i mean henry golding i love so much but i almost loved sort of the ensemble nature nature of it yeah more than the couple itself agreed the, yeah. the side characters um you know definitely mm-hmm definitely stole the scenes in that movie so i think it's yeah it's the characters we have to fall in love with not because we already know the storylines and the Mm -hmm. tropes characters yeah yeah that i have one good one recently well it's not that recent but um uh something like the big sick have you seen that oh yes so good (laughs) 
that one's a, with such likable characters that you're just rooting for. And that's so funny you said that because I literally listened to a podcast interview of Emily Gordon, like literally two. Oh, days. really? Yeah. Yeah. So funny. Oh, what like a small one. podcasting world we live in. <laughs> well, I tell you one that just come out on Apple Plus and that has such likable characters. It's not really a romantic comedy. It's more of a coming of age story. But nevertheless, is the movie Coda. Uh, if you have Apple Plus, you should definitely watch that. It's so good. Oh, I haven't uh, watched it, but I did hear of it. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, you should check it out. Anyway, let's get back to Father of the Bride. So we're going to talk. There's actually four movies that are from Father of the Bride. There's the original from 1950. Then there is the sequel called Father's Little Dividend from 1951. And then we have the remake from 1991. And then we have the sequel of the remake from 1995. So we're going to talk about all four and then at the end give our ranking. But let's talk. start with 1950. So had you ever seen this version before? I have not. I haven't seen the the 50s versions, uh, you know, 1950 and then the dividend. Uh, yeah. I had seen them, but it had been a while. Uh, so that was kind of fun to revisit them. And we, like you said, the story is very similar in both films and uh, you have george banks in this case played by spencer tracy uh who is uh who's the father of a daughter in in this film he also has two sons and the daughter is going to get announces she's going to get married and the the, the wedding makes him crazy <laughs> all the money and the everything and uh so yeah it's it, it like i said it even starts out exactly the same as is in the 1991 with uh with them him drinking champagne and saying you know you fathers will understand <laughs> right, it's like after the chaos we're we're, we're kind yeah. of like immediate rays you know we're just mm-hmm. in the middle and we see like the the after um yeah what did you think of spencer tracy and uh elizabeth taylor in this roles um i i like them you know quite honestly because again i'm young quote unquote um i i'm not actually really familiar with spencer tracy's work even though i have heard of him but i haven't really watched his work Elizabeth Taylor, I didn't mean, I think that's right. pretty much a given. If you haven't seen an Elizabeth Taylor movie, then you've obviously lived under a rock. But um, Spencer I was not familiar with, so I, uh, this was kind of, I'd like to say this was the first, if like if ever, first uh-huh. time I watched him. So I'm not used to his work and his acting and his character. Um, he, he seemed way more straightforward than he did to, because obviously we're already going to make comparisons to Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. and Spencer it, it, Tracy was just like way more straight laced than Steve Martin was yeah definitely not as madcap is not as silly as in the 1991 version and and you do get to see him be kind of this type of uh uh grumpy curmudgeonly uh, father in in guess who's coming to dinner and if you've heard of that yes uh but that was actually his last movie he ever made. Yeah. Yes, I have. 
He did a bunch of movies with Catherine Hepburn, like Desk, Desk Set, which I really enjoy. And that's actually like a kind of a subtle Christmas movie if you want to watch a Christmas movie. Um, but they had a bunch of romantic, I mean, they had a relationship in real life. Uh, so then they had a bunch of romantic comedies. Like uh, they had one called Adam's Rib. Uh, I mean, my favorite is Desk Set. It's really good. It's very funny. And uh, of course, he also plays the police officer, the detective in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. If you've heard of that. Yes, I have heard of that movie. I have not mm-hmm. watched it, actually. So yeah, many it's a good one. Since that movie. And that's one, like, I, admittedly, I have, like, a running list of all the classical movies <laughs> that I should have watched at least once in my life. That yeah. I <laughs> And Mad, Mad, Mad World is on it. Yeah, it's a good one. It's very, very funny. And the, this this movie, he starts off when he hears that she is 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 uh, getting engaged. He talks about is it the boy with the teeth, the guy with the porcupine hair, the English teacher that poopa dupe Ellie liked. Ellie is his wife, and the muscle bound ham with the shoulders, the bebop hound. The genius who promised to fix my radio. <laughs> she wouldn't do that to me. He's <laughs> like really making her, making his daughter seem like a little bit of a player. <laughs> the <laughs> radical. She hadn't been on a picket line for weeks. <laughs> How many guys have she seen? Yeah. I mean, the one flaw, well, there's flaws with this movie, but outright flaw, I think, is that I did not think that Elizabeth Taylor and her fiance had chemistry at all. Uh, he felt way older than her to me. And that was weird. And he's, they say in the thing that he's six years older, but it felt older to me than that. Is is It was played by Don Taylor. Right. And it um, also doesn't help that he's towering over her. So, yeah. Like, my goodness, how tall is <laughs> That's he? That's true. Google his height. Yeah, she's. It says on IMDb. Like you said, she's very young. I think she's. They said that she's what twenty. Um. So. Granted, that's still a very young age to get married, even today, even how many years later now. Um. So yes, I completely agree. There was no chemistry visually. The pairing didn't really work well. Yeah. It was refreshing to see a young Elizabeth Taylor. Because Kimberly Williams is, Paisley is the same age, technically, in the 1991 film. But it, it doesn't feel weird because she has great chemistry. And they feel the same age between uh, her and... And Annie's yeah. supposed to be 22. And so they made her yeah. two years older. And, and But they just look, her and George Newbern look the same age. Yes. Or close to the same they age. Closer. So this yeah. is what we call a screen test, guys. This is why <laughs> screen yeah. test. Can't so see. Don Taylor, who plays uh, Declan, that uh, he was 6'1". Yeah. Okay. So. And Elizabeth Taylor must be really short. <laughs> Yeah. Dunstan, not Declan. Dunstan. Dunstan. Yeah, I think. She, how, wow. Let's see how short she is, because she he does look so tall. So tall. So <laughs> tall. Yeah, great. Five four. So he's seven inches taller than her. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And he just didn't look like he's always wearing a suit, and he just 
didn't look young, yeah, you know, he, like a young college student or whatever. Yeah, he didn't look young and he acted so much older than he yeah. was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you like how there's the twin beds for everybody? Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was going to forget. <laughs> I'm like, what are they doing in separate beds? No wonder why they're arguing all the time. <laughs> That's the, co- the code era. They they had to yeah. uh, scandal the idea of <laughs> yeah. a married couple sharing a bed. So funny. It is funny. And they kept that in the second movie too. Yep, yep. I, 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 I didn't find anywhere... I had to wonder if these movies were made together because they came out just a year apart. Yeah, they might have. They might have been like, don't strike the set yet. We're going for the second film. Mm -hmm. That's right. I wouldn't be surprised because that's really close together. Yeah. But anyway, so they, they, uh, so they have this whole big financial talk and he's really, he's more worried in this one than Steve Martin is about their like financial position, right? Because like obviously they're both they're both concerned about the price of the wedding. But I felt like Spencer Tracy was like more concerned about like how are you going to support my daughter? Right. And I think that was um a, a bigger thing that was probably more and this is gonna sound terrible, but in in the fifties, like family and father figures are more worried about the characters that their daughters are going to be married to, the values, you know, that they mm-hmm. are, are you actually going to take care and support my daughter like a good man should, and support a family, support a wife. And I, yeah. I think we're kind of losing that value. I mean, it's still there, obviously, these days. But I think today's priorities are like um, uh, financial status compared to the character status, which is really sad. <laughs> Well, yeah, and but also since in 1991, it's with the assumption that they're going to be a shared, a dual income household. Maybe that's not as much of a concern as a father from you know 1950. If who's gonna, how are you gonna support my daughter? Right, uh, where she doesn't have like really any useful skills. <laughs> not yet, or at least, at least we didn't establish that. Right, and, well, in the 1991 version. They established that pretty early that, you know, he's, that, you know, um, he he is like, is pretty much in a startup because, you know, because he's big with computers and even the nineties, not a lot of people knew how to use computers properly yet. And so the fact that he's, you know, at the forefront of an upcoming career and he's already making a lot of money, people can't afford to hire him. So they, they established it pretty clear. He's pretty well to do. So I think. That's why it made money a bigger issue. Yeah. And you also have the an artifact from the from the 1950 in this film with their servant. Uh, our, they call her, refer to her as R. Delilah, which is, mm-hmm. you know, you see that in, in um, It's a Wonderful Life. You see it in uh, in Meet Me in St. Louis. You know, a ton, ton of these movies they would have there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something, obviously, thankfully, we don't have now. <laughs> they got rid of that real quick. Yeah. And, you know, it's probably good that they did. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and so they have this engagement party. And basically, he ends up stuck in the kitchen being the bartender. 
at the party. He has the speech planned. He doesn't get to make the speech. And so he's disappointed and uh, he, he doesn't get to kind of tribute to his daughter the way that he wanted because everybody wants their fancy old fashions. <laughs> like, right. If you have a servant, you think that somebody else could do this. Right. Right. Like, I think that well off. <laughs> he, he was kind of put on the spot and he was trying to live in the moment, but he, he uh-huh. was just too busy trying to do everything. Yeah. And so he basically gives in pretty quick on the big wedding and he's, he doesn't really complain that much. I did think it was really funny when he's like an experienced caterer can make you ashamed of your home in 15 minutes. <laughs> that was a good time. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. But he's way less unhinged than Steve Martin way less he's way more like a go with the flow yeah and i and i think that's the thing about steve martin's character because we know he's so comedic and whatnot so when he has when his character has a judgmental over your voiceover in his in his head you know we know that's just a snap knee-jerk thought but that's not the character that he actually is because we know he's actually a nicer guy um the the closest more yeah, the closest that we get to uh, to him, to Spencer Tracy uh, losing it in this uh, movie is when he asks her to elope. He takes her into a into like a little into a little room, and he's like, Are "You sure you don't want to elope?" <laughs> yeah, and then, and then he gets called out on it pretty quick. <laughs> Be easier for everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and neither of us have gotten, have been married, correct? No. Yeah. And so we we can't uh, comment on planning a wedding per se uh, <laughs> <laughs> ourselves, but, uh, but. Not yet. Cool. I'm sure it's very stressful. <laughs> Not yet. I know, and like, and that's the thing that uh, when, if and when that actually happens for me, like, I I promise, I made a promise to myself, I will never make my dad go through what my older sisters put him through. Oh no! Yeah, so I'm like, I'm not gonna be that. Don't you worry. I'm not gonna be that. My sister's wedding was 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 fine. It, I mean, it was lovely for her. Uh, it, we just made it a little bit harder, I think, on ourselves than we need to by doing so much about ourselves and and not out of necessarily financial needs, but more of like, that's the hard part with my mom is she's so good at so many things mm-hmm. that it's hard for her to say no sometimes because she knows she can do it better. Yeah. <laughs> and so we cooked a ton of the food ourselves. Uh, my mom did the floral arrangements. My mom made her dress. Uh, it was, it was a lot of things, but and I was serving food most of the night, kind of like Spencer Tracy in this movie. Oh, um, but, very practical. Very practical. You know, you know, yeah. It's probably what I'd be doing. I, I, you know, I'd probably be filming and directing my own wedding. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I get that. Yeah. Uh, well, when you do get married, let us, let us know. <laughs> Don't you worry. I expect an invitation. Everyone will know <laughs> when, if and when that actually happens. Yeah. 
Well, so here in this uh, movie, it's $3.75 a head. And uh, so it's actually way cheaper than uh, than the 1991 wedding. Way, way cheaper. cheaper. Way cheaper. So in like today's date, we, we would like literally scoff at that. Like, that's it. Here's my down payment right now. But it's so it ends up being by today's. And this is according to an inflation calculator uh, for 2021, $3.75 a head is $42 and 48 cents a head. Wow. I could pull that out of my pocket right now. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And the, uh, the cake is $400, which was actually way more than the cake in, uh, in 1991's version. Mm-hmm. So, which ends up being the cake is four thousand five hundred thirty-one dollars by today's standards. Oh my goodness! <laughs> um, so Frank was correct <laughs> that it was a very reasonable price for a cake of this magnitude. Yeah, you got something right. <laughs> yeah, because the twelve hundred dollar cake, which was the cake that Frank get, is two thousand four hundred five dollars today. Wow, from nineteen ninety one. Uh, and so, like you said, Frank was correct. That was a very reasonable price for a cock of that magnitude. Oh, Frank. We'll get to Frank. <laughs> anyway, so you also have in both movies, you have the try on the old tux scene. Yes. And, uh, and they're exactly the same, even in the opening, the, the, the stuck door and it kind of breaking and everything like that. And... I'm glad that Nina in the second one, I'm glad that she let him just pick his own suit, you know? If it's something that just does not matter at all, like, if he, he's, just let him wear whatever he wants. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, and here it's basically the same. And then we get the also the exact same presents come and fill the house. Uh, and then they have the ugly statue clock. <laughs> with the clock in the middle, <laughs> and uh, what happened the, to that clock? Who like who kept it? Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's a regifting. That feels like a regifting. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. quite possibly, might have been. Yeah. Uh, so the breakup in this in this version, she comes in. She says the the wedding's off. And uh, the reason is, is because he wants to go fishing on their honeymoon. Like, and she thinks that's girl, really? terrible. Girl, really? This <laughs> <laughs> problem is in life is you don't want to go fishing. Like, look, okay, mind you, I don't like fishing either. My entire family loves fishing. For some reason, I just did not get that gene. I'm the person who's on the boat reading a book while everyone else is fishing. Well, and I wonder, like, why can't they find some place where he can go fishing that she also likes? <laughs> why do they have to go to Nova Scotia? But it's just like something as simple as fishing. And he just tells you the time that we live in now that if that's your biggest issue in 1950, your life is actually doing pretty well. Yeah. Well, but she does give in at the end because he says, have fun fishing. Right. So. <laughs> uh-huh. And then we have the rehearsal dinner, and uh, it's chaos. The rehearsal, uh, not the rehearsal dinner. Then we have the rehearsal, total chaos. It's very rainy. 
And they're like, the groom isn't very important. <laughs> so let's get going. Right. Like, uh, we, we, and isn't she also sick too? She's sneezing every, all the oh, time. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, can we talk about that scary that, dream sequence that he has? He has a nightmare. Oh my God. <laughs> I, was I really thought it was kind of cool looking though. How they got that floor to like sink in whenever he would step on it. It looked cool. Yeah, that very, very cool execution, but quite honestly, was not expecting that <laughs> in this type of film. And I, I, I remember watching it and I was like, wait a minute, did I just get sucked into a David Fincher film? What is happening? Because it was such a painful, like three minute sequence. And it just, it really threw me off and completely changed the tone of what it did. It, it was like, why are we in this fun house all of a sudden? <laughs> I'm like, where where is this coming from? It it just it was so off putting. And I yeah. think it was obviously on purpose, but it was just so drastically different than what we had already been watching for like an hour. Yeah, it's true. I kind of I, I kind of liked it because it was weird. It kind of shook things up. But it, but yeah, it definitely was was strange and I can see why they cut that out of the new one. Yeah. <laughs> but good, good riddance. Yeah. But this one was not nearly as sentimental as the 1991 film. There's really no moments where, like, I love the scene. We'll talk about it in the 1991 where he hears them, you know, saying, I love you, his kids. And he puts his hand over his heart. And it's just so sweet and sentimental. There really isn't anything kind of like that. Like, it's cute and funny. And some people might prefer that because they think, oh, that's too cheesy to have those sentimental moments. But I really love those sentimental moments. Agreed. And um, and I think that's why the 1991 version works so well, because if you think about it, it is a family story. And the first one mm-hmm. was mostly the father yeah. um, and what he's thinking, what he's doing throughout this entire movie. The whole movie, like it's Spencer Tracy's movie. It's not the daughter's movie. It's not, mm-hmm. it's the father's movie. And yeah. in the 1991 version, I love the, the basketball scene bonding, the, the kid, yeah. the kids driving the car in the parking lot and, and into the yards, you know, like, and I don't want to like jump too far ahead. Mm-hmm. There were more scenes and family bonding moments that are actually, that's why we liked the family. I, I personally like the family better in the 1991 yeah. version because we actually got those moments where we can fall in love with the characters and how they were in love with each other as a family. Yeah. And uh, the weddings are very similar, actually, even to the point of them being like, what is, what is the, what am I supposed to say? All of a sudden, I didn't know my line. I mean, word for word. Yes. And we do the same. And even to the point of actually the, her dress, the dresses are very similar between the two movies. I don't know if that was intentional. I would love to know, but they both have like a deep V with a lace overlay that goes high up into the neck. And uh, the, the Elizabeth Taylor one actually then has like a buttoned collar kind of a thing, but they're pretty close considering I, I, I would love to know if uh, that was intentional by the costume designer. To kind of yeah. homage. Good were, eye. Maybe this yeah. just shows like how unlike a woman that I re- I should be. <laughs> not, this sounds terrible. I did not pay attention to the dress whatsoever. <laughs> I did hate in the 1951, the bridesmaids had these hats that were so ugly. I'm not a big fan of the bridesmaids dresses in 91 either, but 
because uh, they have these horrible bows, but I hated the hats. They were so ugly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, hats are tough to pull off. The hat. I do remember the veil. I, I thought the veil was yeah. pretty. And nice and a really long train. Yes. And and it was weird in, well, no, it's jumping ahead, but in 1991, she has a long train, but her bridesmaid and maid of honor don't help her with her train. They have to have Howard helping her with her train. I'm like, what is the point of a bride having a maid of honor if they don't help you with your train? Right. Anyway. So then we have the who giveth this woman. And then he says, but she's not a woman. She's a child. And then he says, something inside me broke, which was about as sentimental as this movie got. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but the the actual wedding when they get to the well, when they get to the reception uh, was looked so terrible in this movie. I like it's so crowded. I would be stressed out at that way. It's terrible. In your own house, no less. Like they're both crowded and they're both in their houses, but the one in 1950 looked even worse to me. Like it was so crowded. And I don't know if it's just that's like COVID me, like seeing that and being like, oh, it's too close. <laughs> yeah, there's like too many people in my house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh. venues now. <laughs> And my and my sister's wedding was at our house, her reception, I should say. Oh, really? But we did have a pretty big backyard, and so we were able to put all the tables back there. And it wasn't, it certainly wasn't six hundred people like these. I don't know how many people it was, but nothing like this. And uh, and so, yeah, this one just did not look pleasant to me. <laughs> six hundred? Wow, that's a big turnout. Yeah. Yeah, well, they at least that's what they say, and the, the, uh, they have six hundred over six hundred people. Yeah. Uh, but then he misses he misses her. She drives away. She says, My K was gone, and I was too late to say goodbye. And then she calls. Yeah, from the airport. Yeah, and they said, "My son's my son until he gets himself a wife. My daughter is my daughter all her life." Uh, and that just you, you know? Yeah, it's cute. We don't have uh, lines like that anymore. No, <laughs> unfortunately. Maybe in Hallmark movies. Maybe. All right. We'd like to take a second from this episode of the podcast to celebrate our sponsor of this episode, and that is the Hallmarkies Patreon. Do you love Hallmarkies podcast? Do you want an inside scoop into what happens on the podcast? Do you want early access to episodes and loads of cool perks? Now is the time to become a patron of Hallmarkies Podcast. By becoming a patron, you get to access our patron Facebook group. You can request episodes or even be a guest on the podcast. And most importantly, any patron can join our monthly movie watch-alongs with stars like Paul Campbell, Natalie Hall, and more. It's as low as $2 a month to join in and become a special part of the Hallmarkies family. Please consider, and we will love you forever. Go to patreon.com slash hallmarkies. That's patreon.com slash hallmarkies. Let's talk about 1991. So again, we've already talked about some of the similarities. Uh, he he talks, both of them actually talk about being in a constant state of panic. You worry about her meeting the, the wrong guy, and then you worry about her meeting the right guy. Because that's the greatest fear of all, because then you lose her. And that was really very sweet. 
and he lives in San Bernardino, Bernardino, and <laughs> he's got a beautiful house. I don't know how you make all this money making athletic shoes, <laughs> but there we go. Evidently, they are great shoes. He runs the company, so he is pretty high up. Like Literally, they're making their on-factory level. These are in-America-made shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I think, like, I was like... I think that was a big thing in the 90s because I just remember, uh, um, oh my goodness, why am I blinking? Uh, Ra- Z- Jumanji. I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm like, Jumanji, the, the father, you know, and the shoe company. Oh, weird. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so then she, uh, she's her, and then his daughter is back from being in Italy, in Rome, and uh, we see her at the top of the stairs. She's looking very grown up in her black dress. And uh, one of the things that I think really helps this movie is that the whole family has chemistry, and uh, Steve Martin, Diane Keaton have great chemistry, and Kimberly Williams Paisley is so great. This was her first role. She did incredible. Yeah, so sweet. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, if anyone follows me, knows how much I love Diane Keaton. Um, so obviously, I'm I'm bored for yeah. that. Steve Martin, of course, and I think that's why the '90s, '91 movie works so well because Diane Keaton and Steve Martin at that time are at the height of their career. Yeah. So, uh, and well, so- I mean, and she'd already proven herself to be incredible in romantic yeah. comedies like Annie Hall and things like that. So we already knew that. Exactly. But whether she would have chemistry with Steve Martin, it seems like it seems on the surface like a weird fit, but it worked. It totally worked. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and I'm not uh, and I wasn't worried about them to not, you know, meshing well on screen because both of them individually have mm-hmm. a lot of charisma and now put them together. They're even twice yeah. as and, and just before Steve Martin had done Parenthood, which is a very similar kind of role yes. uh, as far as, uh, you know, as being kind of sentimental dad. And, uh, and so he, he, that's probably why they thought of him for this. And of course you have Nancy Myers who uh, wrote this, uh, she didn't direct it. She wrote this, co-wrote this movie uh, and she would go on to become rom-com royalty. <laughs> yes. And uh, well, she'd already done uh, Baby Boom and some other stuff too. But oh god, I love Baby Boom. Can we do a movie mm-hmm. review on Baby yeah. Boom? And I just invite totally. myself onto your show just to talk about that movie because <laughs> okay. I never yeah. could talk about it <laughs> on TV. And I'm still waiting for my opportunity to just nerd out on that movie. Yeah, oh, it's a good one. So Yes. So she tells, she spills the news that she is engaged and it's hard to believe that she wouldn't have talked about this guy. Like, and I guess, I guess, uh, international phone calls were a lot more expensive then. So maybe she didn't call them much, but I don't know. It's just hard to believe that they would have no idea that this was coming at all, but nevertheless, and you, and he sees her as the little girl when she's telling him, I met a man in Rome. And we fell in love and we're getting married. <laughs> yep. It's really quick. Yeah, um, it's really good. Uh, he's like you, Dad, except he's brilliant. <laughs> it, 
was that slow buildup. Like, so I did this and this and this and this, and now I'm getting married. Yeah. It, she kind of blindsided them a bit. So yeah. I, it, Steve Martin's, you know, his his reaction is completely justifiable. Yeah, because when my sister got engaged, it was hard for me because I I didn't want things to change. Like, <laughs> I wasn't like him, but still it was. And I had tons of warning. I can't even imagine if it just came out of nowhere. <laughs> right. That would be really hard. Is she your older uh, sister? My sister's two years younger than me, but we both went to college together and we, cause she was homeschooled. So we experienced a lot of the same things together, even though she's yeah. two years younger. Yeah. And but, two years, not a big age. No. So yeah. you're still like growing up together. I yeah. Got yeah, it. But uh, he's an independent communications consultant. And he's like, no, no wonder he'll move wherever you get a job. <laughs> Code for unemployed. Yep. <laughs> Uh-huh. She's 20 and she just spent time in Europe. So, <laughs> yeah, and we to like just do anything you want in life. And we find out that they met at a showing, a revival showing of bringing up baby, which is basically my dream life. Like, <laughs> I love that movie and I love vintage movies. And the idea of like, oh, we're both laughing at all the same parts. Like, we're. <laughs> yeah and you know and so funny Catherine Hepburn maybe that was uh you know on purpose yeah, yeah. and uh and so then uh he also gets very uh, very weirded out by the fact that he's touching that he's touching his her knee he's <laughs> like what is he doing yeah. And, and just does... that we didn't really get in the 1950s movie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he says uh, that uh, I'm Mr. Discontinued. And that, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then he makes the seatbelt uh, flub. I won't say that here. I don't want to shock anybody, but it, that's a funny line. Uh, I, I do have to say that the whole section with the meeting, the in-laws, I think could be taken out of this movie. It's really long. And I don't know. I just don't think it's that funny with him, like being in the pool and, and it goes really long. And I I could take out that whole part. I mean, I can see, I, I, I definitely agree with you. It's probably like three minutes too long. But again, this was a scene they probably kept in there because it is classic Steve Martin comedy. Mm-hmm. It, he has this type of scene in like every movie he does where he just kind of goes crazy, trying to, he's losing it. Um, but his physical acting is so funny and uh, the way he moves his body is so awkward and um, it's fun to watch. So I understand why they kept it in this film because he's just so out of place. And, uh, and to be in that nice mansion, um, you, you mm-hmm. get, he just stuck out like a sore thumb. And that was what was funny yeah. about I it. I mean, all these people are rich. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about They're like pretending that, that they're not rich and that these Beller people are rich. No, <laughs> are rich. <laughs> Right, I, I we see that in the next movie when he can write a hundred thousand dollar check without batting an eye. Right. Well, he 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 
he did hesitate writing it, but he's like, all right, let me get that second mortgage. Oh my goodness. I mean, I couldn't write a hundred thousand dollar check. I can't write half of that. Yeah. Goodness. And uh, so he suggests them having the wedding in the backyard with, uh, or first he says the stake pit. Uh, and he, he says uh, the backyard wedding and he dreams this, uh, <laughs> their, their backyard wedding. What do you think of his dream backyard wedding? Um, yeah, it, I mean, I, I think it's, it's completely different because, uh, you know, he has his idealistic view of what he wants to it to be. He wants to, to keep it under his control. But mm-hmm. obviously when you bring the daughter and bring the wife into it, you're immediately going to lose your say in your opinion. So yeah. I mean, my brother's wedding was not that casual, but it was sort of in more along those lines. He got married in the mountain uh, in a field of wildflowers and by just of the peace. And then uh, they had the reception in the backyard of a, of a house my parents used to own. Um, my, my aunt made the cake and, uh, it was, my sister-in-law wore cowboy boots with her dress and that was way more sort of casual. Whereas like my sister had a, um, three piece, uh, um, uh, orchestra, like court trio, whatever. Anyway. And, um, so you know, n- neither of their weddings were fancy by, by normal definitions, but but my brother's was more closer towards Steve Martin's style yeah. wedding than my sister's. My, my brother just had a wedding in October, and it was actually in the backyard of my sister's house. It was at my sister's house. Um, and it, it was nice. It was big, open. She has like a five-acre yard, but again, she's in the Midwest, so you know, people have actual land out there. Um, and it, it was, it was a nice big backyard open patio, um, within there was space. So there was, you know, a, a terrace and awning and, and, and tables and stuff, but it wasn't like over the top. It was just nice enough to, you know, look fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but- because you have to also think that, yes, it might be more expensive to hire a wedding planner or wedding coordinators, they call it here. But you, you're, if you can be doing, your time is money. So if you can be doing other things to be making the money, is it really worth your time? Like doing some of these things that you have to do to plan a wedding. If you end up having a big wedding, right. uh, but they, they end up meeting Martin short eating frog, meeting frog. Oh, they, pick out, they, they pick out the, uh, uh, the, Co- the cock, the cock. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't even, I don't even know what that accent is. Like, I don't know. Oh, I watched it with subtitles on, and <laughs> the season literally said gibberish. Because <laughs> yeah, it's not really French. It's like right because when Frank and Howard were talking together, the <laughs> subtitle said gibberish. I'm like. Somehow they understand each other. Gibberish is a language. He is so funny in this movie. He you just smile away. Oh my god. He's hysterical. And I think and because you know, obviously we don't get Frank in either of the original movies, but he's such an adage of a character that makes it even better. 
than it probably was originally planned. Yeah. And, and, uh, and as we already discussed, yeah. that the $1,200 cake is a very reasonable price <laughs> for a cake of this magnitude. <laughs> right. And, and just Martin Short is just a comedy genius in and of himself as well. So just like, oh, yeah. God, throw him into the chaos of this movie. <laughs> He's so good. He's Even hilarious. Better. Even better. God, I love Frog so much. And a lot of times some such an over-the-top character would kind of take you out of the movie. It would just be too much. But for some reason, because everything is so nutty anyway, and the idea that this is somehow a smallish wedding when you have swans that <laughs> like, it works it, it just works and, and you know what because you know i was thinking about it too because normally if i met a person like frank i'd be like no i'll go away i do not have the time patience for this type of person um, is there such a person <laughs> i imagine there is at least in the world. but i think about the thing that makes frank great it's because he holds true to his word on everything. As yeah. crazy as, it is, as he is, as crazy as his plans and coordinating uh, schedules and everything, he still followed through with all of his promises. So he like he saw everything to the end. Yeah. I think that's why we love Frank because he he was an honest man and he yeah. saw. Well, and in Frank's defense, five months to plan a wedding like this is very short. I mean, you would have to buy a dress off of the rack. You, I mean, you, there are a lot of wedding dresses you cannot get in five months. No. Yeah. So it's really, he, he pulls off quite the feat, actually. Yeah. yeah. And he does it a lot and he does it with his smile and his gibberish. Yeah. yeah that's right. Um, and so then they, he, he finds out that it's going to be $250 a head. Which is madness. Do the math. Do the math. How much is that? <laughs> so today's today it's five hundred. The five hundred and one dollars and eleven cents is no. so. Yeah, that's crazy. No, thank you. Hundred people, five hundred dollars a head. That's a lot of money. Anywhere from twenty-one to twenty-five thousand dollars. No. Yeah. No. I was like, my personal wedding is going to be like 40 people. That's it. If that. Mm. No. That. I mean, I don't know. I'm 40 at this point. I'm just be glad to get married. <laughs> I don't care. That time, what are you talking about? Yeah. Very yeah. okay. um, so. close circle. I don't even have a circle of friends. I have a line of friends. <laughs> like, do I even know 600 people to invite? No. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when you're younger, like you still have sort of people from high school and things like that. Whereas like now at 40, I'm like, eh, those people aren't coming to my wedding, you know? Right. Uh, but one way. high school, one. <laughs> one <person. laughs> and she didn't even go to the same high school as me. <laughs> no. I, mean, <laughs> I can see how it got to be a lot of people here for this wedding because both Frank and, and uh, Nina have their own businesses. Plus you have Brian's family, which seemed to have a lot of family slash business, you know, people. So I can see why it ballooned out of control, but still that they had the, the swans. It's just, it's ridiculous. 
that's it, that's just a little too extreme. Yeah, comes at a wedding. Yeah, and what, what, back on the cost, let's cut the swans. One thing that's funny in this movie is that Eugene Levy plays this the auditioning singer. Yes, and then he plays Mr. Habib in the sequel. Yeah, I, I thought that was like, a nice touch because Eugene also comedy genius. Yeah, but he's obviously not supposed to be the same character. No. I don't think Mr. Habib is singing on the next, so he doubled it in this series. Right, and I think that's why the the 90s movies work well with the comedians, because we know that Martin Short, Steve Steve Martin, and uh, Eugene Levy, they're all in the same comedic circle. Like, they're all friends in real life, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, so... Then they try to uh, they try to eliminate people off of the list, and they <laughs> said, "Didn't Harry Kirby die last year?" Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. One <laughs> last <laughs> head. And I also love when you've got Frank and he's like, and Frank's like, I, "I'll translate." He's like, "Oh, that'll be a big." <laughs> And I love, I love Nina's justification. She's like, "Well, we can't have Ron coordinate the wedding and not invite him." Yeah, oh yeah. I'm gonna pay for five hundred dollars for him and his assistant. Indeed. Yeah, hilarious. Good. And so you, tell tell Honk, I want the cheaper chicken. Yeah. And I love how he like put his foot down. But he didn't. In the end, they ended up with the, the fancy seafood. He yeah. says at the end. Um, but uh, he loses it and then that's when he goes and the highlight of the movie at least in my opinion is this this hot dog scene (laughs) some big shot over the bun company some big shot over the wiener company decided to get together and rip off the American public (laughs) and I love my favorite part of the whole scene is when the store manager comes up and says why don't we just calm down now sir I'll tell you why we don't calm down because you are not excited. It takes two for a we to calm down now, doesn't it? That I don't know, sir. That I don't know. Uh, Hilarious. Yes, it it is funny, and like I love his his rationing because I I don't know if they they actually fixed that problem between the hot dog buns and the hot dog. (laughs) Did they change the ratio now? I sure hope so. I should know. Worked in a grocery store for five years. I should yeah. know they actually changed I that. I feel like you still get maybe it's ten now, but I, I don't feel like you get eight. Okay, uh, but we should Google this. Someone's got anyways, <laughs> but I just love that whole scene. It's one of my literally one of my favorite scenes in all movies. I think it is so funny. <laughs> you still have to pay for all the buns, or they're not marked individually. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> they should be. <laughs> it's it's so good. You know, I, I read a, a fun trivial fact apparently. Some someone did the math, of course. They said had he not ripped uh the the buns away, he still mm-hmm. would have ended up with the same number twenty four at the end had he kept the same. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah. I think twelve twelve in a pack or six in a pack? Yeah, there were twelve. Yeah, there's twelve. Twelve. I want to buy eight 
I have eight hot dogs and eight hot dog buns. No one sells eight hot dog buns. They only sell 12. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, why don't we calm down, sir? I'll tell you why we don't calm down. <laughs> anyway, so then, me <laughs> uh, so then Nina bails him out of prison. And uh, after he, she makes him take the vow. Jail. Oh, I love and... it. And like Diane Keene's so great. And mm-hmm. like, he loved every moment. Like, no, no, no. I got you finally yeah. a place where I can talk to you calmly. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you really do get the feel that these two people really love each other so much. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Like, there's a good check and balance system with it. They are a believable couple. Yeah, they really are. It's not like one of those sort of like, uh, I don't know, home improvement where the where the wife, the long suffering wife and the sort of the idiot, you know, husband. It's not like that. And that yes, he's his major overreactor and he meets and he admits that, but they love each other. They really do. Right. And I think also the difference is, is that these two feel very equal to each other. Like, yeah, they do. Not one is superior. They they are very, very well balanced. And, and I think that's, yeah. that's still, even in the 90s, I think that's hard to find in a relationship because usually there's always one that's more dominant. At least yeah. it comes across more dominant. But these two are very, very equal. So then we have the scene where sh- they get the car and he's been excited. He got her a cappuccino machine. And I love that scene. I think that's so cute that she... She's so excited about both gifts and, uh, and he, he says, I couldn't love anything more. And he says, I, neither could I. It was so I, cute. I don't blame her. I'd be ecstatic for a cappuccino machine too. <laughs> yeah. Espresso machine. Yes. Yeah. And I forgot to mention earlier that when they, when they play uh, basketball for the first time, they have my girl. And for so long in the nineties, that was like in every movie, my girl. Every movie. <laughs> I don't feel like it's been that as much lately, but I even remember Roger Ebert at one point on his show saying, "No more, don't play My Girl" because it was in every movie. The movie My Girl, which I just posted about a few days ago too, is just like also 1991. Yeah, that'll rip your heart out. It is yeah. very timely, and plus, oh god, if you want a good cathartic cry, watch My Girl. Yeah, yeah agree. Then like go crawl into your into a hole for a week and then come back mm-hmm. so then we get the blender scene this is the breakup scene that we had in the first one as well and the thing that's funny about this scene is that when it came out my dad had just gotten my mom the same blender <laughs> like, like months before for mother's day or birthday or something like that and <laughs> We all were like, oh, God, did you know you got such a terrible gift? <laughs> and her reaction is unhinged. Like, what? Right. It's a sign of his, ra- like, his misogyny. <laughs> right. And I think maybe it's just, again, the sign of the times that it's like she doesn't want to be reduced down to a housewife. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, a blender is if that's the representation of your relationship and your life, then you know you might you should think of another materialistic object that might be blender. I'd be excited to get an eight month anniversary present for a uh, get a blender, 
But uh, but yeah, <laughs> Steve Martin, he thought you might want to blend something someday, and that's all. Right. <laughs> and I love this whole scene between between Steve Martin and Brian when he says the long line of overreactors. My mother, a <laughs> nut. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, the grandmother, the, the story, grandfather, the stories about him are legendary. <laughs> uh, that the whole scene is really cute. It's not just his fault, you know. Yeah. It's hereditary. Yeah. And then they have one more pickup game the, the night before the wedding. And that's really cute. And it starts to snow. And it's been the first time there's snow in, in Los Angeles in 36 years. <laughs> of course. Of course it's and, <laughs> and not only does it snow, it's like scoopable snow. Like, like where you, could, you actually have to shovel and stuff. Like I can imagine that you might occasionally have snow but usually wouldn't stick right have inches and like and this is also one of those things where you know you know how much i love nancy myers and charles shire but like it is so inaccurate when it comes to weather and snow because Mm -hmm. growing up in the midwest i've seen real snow yes it can get a lot of snow and inches of snow in yeah hours but it it does not come down like that (laughs) ever yeah, I mean, yeah. and it, it would be it, just because the ground would be warm, it would, it, it just would be very unlikely that it would be snow that you would need to shovel and stuff like that in. Yeah, it, in it, Southern it, California, no, but right, it could be cold enough to snow, but it's too warm to stick to the ground. It would melt basically immediately. Yeah, and they have to get a warm bath for the swans. <laughs> yeah, there's two swans in the tub. Yeah. And then the the wedding is actually pretty similar to the previous to the original film, even down to the uh, to the who presents this woman, but she's not a woman; she's just a kid, right? And, and, and again, with you saying the the verbatim of the line, because he's he's also struggling. He's like, "Oh no, what do I say? I forgot my line." And he also doesn't get to see her at the wedding, but it just looks like slightly less crowded just slightly <laughs> than the 1951 neither of them is my jam that's not what i want for a wedding <laughs> no I, I think it seems more only because of all the cars in the street yeah. and i don't know i i feel like i don't know the, the when they spend so much money to decorate the church i don't really understand that because you're just in there for such a little bit of time like, I think I would just do like ribbons or something less expensive than fresh flowers in the church. Right. Uh, and that would still look nice because churches look nice and they're, you know, they're pretty all on their own. I think a church as opposed to just like a banquet hall that you need, you need decor, you need flowers, you need, but spending, I mean, the amount of money that they spent in order to decorate the church with all that fresh flowers, brutal. Mm. That is a lot. And, you know, that's yeah. I actually didn't think it about. Um, but maybe that was probably just because the production budget of this movie was, we can assume, one can yeah. assume that it was bigger than the 1950s budget. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that if, I mean, because the 1950s one was nice too in the church. The, I'm just saying that if I was planning a wedding, I would keep it very simple uh, in the church. 
and then I would I would spend more of the budget on the reception because it just seems like you're only there for maybe an hour. Yeah. And so make it look nice, but it already looks nice because it's a church and churches are pretty. So that's you know. a preferential thing for you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, not just what I would say. Everyone but... take note every wedding. <laughs> yeah. but the church might look a little bland yeah. because she didn't want to put the flowers there. <laughs> and my cousin had the best wedding uh, I think I've ever been to. She had a pie stand. Pie stand. <gasps> pie stand. Awesome. Yeah, it was so good. And then a whole slider stand where you get all the kinds of sliders. It was so good. Well, I've already agreed with my now current boyfriend, who will probably be my future husband, <laughs> yeah. uh, that we were having a fondue station. So. Oh, good. Yeah. Cho- we're having a chocolate fountain and a fondue station. I think stations are the way to go. They're really good. Yeah. I was like, I don't care about like anything as long as I get chocolate and cheese at my wedding. I'm good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about, we've already gone way over time, but let's talk about these two baby ones a little bit faster. Yeah, fine. <laughs> so we have Father's Little Dividend. And in this one, she uh, she has a baby. She's She gets pregnant, uh, Elizabeth Taylor's character. And the big, he's actually more unhinged, I think, in this one, Spencer Tracy, than in the original. Because the whole idea of him being called grandpa, like, he does not like that at all. He's so against it. And if anything, he gets a little bit more uh, more unlikable because he becomes yeah. very accusatory towards the daughter, towards the husband. Like, what did you do? Were you irresponsible? X, Y, and Z. I'm like, but this yeah. is time like she they've been married for a year now of course they're gonna start having a family yeah especially in 1951 if you didn't have if you didn't have a baby pretty much right away it was very unusual there was some maybe something wrong with you or you know like almost everybody had a a pretty quick baby (laughs) right and and it just shows the difference of the times because even now you know, women are actually getting married older, having children later. You and I are both like products of that. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 exactly. So then they, they also her Ellie, the wife, Spencer Tracy's wife in this movie, she gets really strange. I thought <laughs> like she gets this whole fantasy of having the K and the baby and move in with them. And she's like super invested in this happening. And so when she finds out that they bought a house, she's like devastated. Devastated. <laughs> well, I'm like, why? Why would you add people to your house? And especially like they're married, they already have their own lives together. And now they're going to add a baby. You're going to add three people to your house. Yeah, and they already have two other sons, two other children. And and I also thought it was weird that they were, like, shocked that they got a mortgage on their house. That must be something different, that maybe mortgages weren't as common in the 1950s. But, like, that would be surprising because, you know, all these people coming back from the war and stuff. Like, I wouldn't think they'd have tons of savings to be able to pay for a house with cash. Right. So I would think almost everybody would have a mortgage. But they were like, you got a mortgage. Yeah, this is like the the end of the world. They're yeah. like, there goes your life. And yeah, and there's a lot of fighting about the name. What they're going to name the baby? So many names. So many <laughs> names they listed. And I don't want to sound too judgmental, but maybe because that's that 
those none of the names that they mentioned were anything I'd like to call my future children. I'm like, yeah, I tried to write them down. Yeah. And then they get in a fight and she comes over, Elizabeth Taylor comes over and then uh, Declan, right? Is his name? Or Dunstan, Dunstan, sorry, Dunstan. I keep saying it wrong. Anyway, and he says, if anything happens to her, I'll kill myself. And Stanley says, don't worry, I'll do it for you. <laughs> so funny. And at some point, you think you he would. Yeah. And uh, so she's sleeping outside. And, uh, and she's really upset with him because she thinks that he's like having an affair. And he says, no, I've just been working overtime. Like, it's so funny to me because I figure that those kinds of, you have those often in like Hallmark movies and things like that, where people will be like taking dance lessons or like doing something like that, not tell their prospective spouse. And then they're like, oh, he's having enough, you know, another relationship or whatever, or he's not invested. I'm like, if it's something that's, that's extra like that, just tell them it's not worth it. Like what? And this is like in the, the common Hallmark trope that we love. This is one of those moments where it'd be like a miscommunication or a yeah. misbelief of a certain situation. They think like the, the advantage of like a surprise is not worth it. If like your wife thinks that you're having or your fiance or whatever thinks that you're having an affair. <laughs> like, right. And then the poor guy, he was like, I swear I'm working. She just caught me for two minutes. I was out for coffee. I'm like, oh my goodness. Of course. <laughs> just say it from the beginning. Yeah, just say, like, this is what I'm doing. I'm working. Or just tell your assistant where you're going if you're going to get a grab a cup of coffee. Goodness. Yeah. And so then they're very, very, very protective of her and making sure that, you know, she's she's taken care of and uh, they have the false alarm. And then he takes a sleeping pill. We forgot what uh, we have that also in the in the um, seat in the remake. And I think was executed lot better in the, the weirdest scene in this movie it's definitely more over the top in the remake but the weirdest thing and i don't know why they put this in but like him finally learning to love the baby because he lost it mm, right <laughs> like that was such a weird scene like why on earth would you go away from your baby for even five minutes like yeah what? and then secondly like it shouldn't take that for you to love your baby like you should just love your baby like what i can kind of understand why they put it in because at the beginning he was so hesitant uh, against this baby and then finally when the baby comes the baby he's not bonding with it because the baby seemingly doesn't even like him and then they had to put this moment in where he it had to be quote-unquote earned where he lost the baby he cares so much about it and then when he finally gets the baby back that's when the bonding really starts. So like it, it was that moment where he, they finally got to, you know, bond. Cause I think they needed to come with something else or make it like, not, not such a long separation. Like maybe just like, Oh, here, this lady next, right next to us on the other bench has the baby. You know what I mean? Right. As opposed to like him right, panicking. Right yeah. He's going all the way back home. <laughs> back to the cars in the in the in the police and the police. Uh, yeah i don't know i didn't i thought that was it was kind of weird 
And after that, he was on, uh, that I was on him uh, like a pigeon. <laughs> yeah. Like, is, that, is that a saying we say anymore? Probably. I don't, I don't think so. And then they have the christening. And he says, now I couldn't imagine my life without him. And that is something that is, at least in my experience, is real. But it's it's weird how you know your family, because my mom had three babies when I was growing up. She had one when I was 10, one when I was 16, and one was I was 18. And, uh, and so it is a weird thing on how your family feels complete. And then you get this new member of the family, and then it's like, weren't they there and all these other memories that you know they weren't but it feels just like you can't imagine your family without that person and uh, i i do think that that's a, a real thing and, uh, and i'm so glad you said that because uh my my family everyone knows i'm the i'm the baby of five but there's mm -hmm. older ones and then a 10-year gap to the last two. Oh yeah it's kind of similar right 10-year gap too when uh, I was, I remember talking to my sister, who's the second oldest, um, and she was like, it's so hard to remember a time before you because they mm -hmm. did spend 10 years before my yeah. brother and I even came into the picture. And they're like, it's so hard to even remember what we used to do before you came into the family. So yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. So now in the new version of Father of the Bride Part 2, we start out with uh, with George having a midlife crisis, and yep. find, when he finds out that I love how you said midlife crisis because I thought about it. I was like another title for this film would be <laughs> Father of the Bride colon midlife crisis. Yes, because my mom was I think forty one when she had my youngest sister, and it was definitely a surprise. Uh, we didn't have the exact same time as far as anybody having uh, any of us older kids having a child, but my sister had a baby in uh, 04. Uh, so it would have been five. So five years. So Madeline would have, I think, been five. So it's pretty close. <laughs> Not like as close as this, but um, we did definitely had the, you know, the aunt child and the yeah. <laughs> niece the gap though five yeah. years good gap but anyway uh we i can definitely relate at least to this kind of and my dad sort of had a midlife a little bit of a midlife crisis not too bad but that's um, i think my dad had a midlife crisis that's why he got the last two kids myself included <laughs> um and, uh, and so then having a baby late later and, you know, is definitely a, you know, a wild experience. So I, I can actually, it, there's a lot in this movie. It's very over the top, but some of the stuff I can actually relate to. <laughs> and there's a lot in this movie that is very different from father's little dividend. Yeah. Well, it's a lot more over the top than, uh, than that. In a very fun way, because Nina's pregnant this time. And, like, I don't mind it. Like, did she need mm -hmm. to be pregnant? Absolutely not. Was it fun to have two pregnancies? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I was trying to figure it out. They, I think they said that she was one year younger than Annie w when they got married. And then she had, and they says, because she yeah. says in the argument in the first movie that I was her age when I had her. Yeah. And so 
so Annie, the way I figure it, that I think that Nina was 21 when they got married and Annie, I had Annie the next year when she was 22. And we know that Annie is now 23 because it's a year after the wedding. So Nina's like 44 or 45. Yeah. So Nina's 45, which is definitely high risk. Yes. They would, and I don't know why they call it, because it's not very nice, but they call it geriatric pregnancy. Geriatric pregnancy. <laughs> I think it's like anything after 40 is now, because, you know, actually they, they've done health studies saying pregnancies after 40 are more likely for to have health issues with the child. Yeah, I mean, the majority are still fine and, and it, it's no problem, but uh, but it is definitely higher risk than uh, than when you're younger. And so he decides that they're going to, before they find out about Nina, they're going to sell the house. And Mr. Habib comes, played by Eugene Levy, and he was going to buy the house. And this is definitely these kinds of caricatures you wouldn't really see as hopefully as much now. It's pretty cringy, Mr. Habib. Yeah, Mr. Habib. And I think this is, again, another moment where they're letting... Uh, the comedians take over the storyline compared to what the storyline actually mm-hmm. is. And so he decides that he's going to sell the house because they offer him a uh, 15K, I think, bonus, and they have to be out in 10 days. <clears throat> that is a crazy turnaround, especially yeah, after you built a family and a life together mm-hmm. to be out in 10 days. No way would I ever do that. And they talk about them having alternative last name. And I actually am a big fan of this. I, a good example of the combining names is that actually from Hallmark Land, the Penavegas. Yeah. Because they took their names, combined them. Luckily, they had, I was like, they had names perfect. that worked perfect for this. <laughs> Vega and Penavega. Oh, very, very, yeah. very similar. The, uh, I just think that's so cute. Instead of just taking on the husband's name, uh, combining both of your names into one new name is such a cute way to start a marriage. I love it. It's, yeah, <laughs> the hyphenated. And then, like, there was a line there like, well, Banks McKenzie is such a long yeah. name. I was like, actually, just keep Banks. Banks is shorter. Like, because you changed mm-hmm. it to McKenzie, you actually, you're the but one. I'll- but you can't really do it with Banks and McKenzie. But that's why I'm saying with Pena Vegas, because combining both their names into one name is because uh, it was Pena and Vega, combining yeah. Pena Vega, that it, it's, it works. It's so perfect. Uh, so if it can work, I think it's really cute, and I love it. Right. If it can work, do <clears throat> If not, no. Yeah. yeah. So then like, we have uh, Nina finding out that she thinks she's going to menopause, and then they find out that they're having a baby. And, of course, George freaks out. <laughs> The doctor's like, you kids are, <laughs> uh, because they had their, their, uh, it was like, died. Very, uh, like a moment of, uh, the, the, the doctor, he was like, you know how many children I delivered based off of moments yeah. of something? Because oh, he's been working out and he dyed his hair and they had a uh, moment in the kitchen, I guess. Yeah. Midlife crisis. <laughs> yeah. And so then Frank and Howard find out they have to be at the hospital. <laughs> yes, convenient. 
And I love, it was so funny when they're driving home and there's the uh, on the sunny side of the street song playing. And on one side is all of the kids being nightmares. And on the other is like sweet and lovely. And I bet it was, if, if this was real, I bet Nina would have, it would be a lot harder for her than they kind of show. At least, even though my mom is like such a natural nurturer and mother, it mm-hmm. was still tough. And my uh, my sister and I, we went away to school that summer and she was trying really hard to be like strong, my mom. And she would leave us these messages on her answer machine and be like, hi, Rachel. Hi, Mick. And we'd be like, we're terrible daughters. We left our mother and parents. How dare you? (laughs) But she made it through and she did amazing. (laughs) Bless her. Yeah, you know. Appreciate mothers because you never know how much they actually go through for their family. Yeah. It's true. And I love yeah. how you actually gave Nina a moment. So like, how are you feeling? Because yeah. you see how George is completely derailing and spiraling during all yeah. this. Like, she's the one who actually has to go through it. And I love how they focus finally mm-hmm. on her. Yeah. And she says, you're so hilarious, George. I know how old I am. And so then he goes and he, uh, he stops them from tearing down the house which the idea of like i mean at these this supposedly it's the, the land that's valuable or whatever and i'm like this is like a small little development area like i don't think there's that much land no. <laughs> he's gonna build multiple houses on this tiny plot like the whole thing is ridiculous but he plays <laughs> <laughs> he writes so he writes a 100k check for a house that he owned outright 24 hours before crazy and- <laughs> Uh, and it was like how desperate he was like he uh-huh. didn't want things to change and so then they add on a whole new uh, wing for the baby to the house beautiful um, and Gronk to do it Gronk uh, you know come through yeah and that baby's room was so cute that nursery adorable that nursery's amazing so much better mm-hmm. than regular bedrooms yeah, it was really, really cute. Boiled baby. <clears throat> and then they have the baby shower where, of course, they have the storks. <laughs> yes. This was really funny. <laughs> um, and so we find out that that they've been, and Annie and Brian have been in a big fight because she got a promotion to go to Boston. And he's like, well, why would we want to move away from your family, his family? And yeah, I mean, it's really hard taking care of a baby. So I can understand his perspective, but she, that was the deal when they got married is that he would move anywhere she got a job. And so he has to kind of, that's what he signed up for. Yeah. And I'm like, that's what marriage is, you know, because I'm sure in that relationship, she was always doing what he needed for his career. And now Mm -hmm. it's to turn and, you know, give that equal to her and I think that's such a, a 90s story that would work now in the 90s and it probably would not go well over in the 50s movies yeah that's true that's true um, so then he's taking care of Annie and Nina that's the only igloo in San Bernardino which was really funny <laughs> I thought they were in San Marino 
San Bernardino, isn't it? San Bernardino? I thought it was San Marino. Oh, maybe. Anyway. Uh, One of the sands. Yeah. (laughs) And then uh, he gets a sleeping pill from Frank, and he ends up taking two when he should just take half. That's why you never take other people's medication. (laughs) No. And, and like, as a big proponent of sleeping pills, I myself who constantly take them, um, but I take them responsibly. Yeah. Now, now than I did in college. Um, sleeping pills can be very, very dangerous. And the fact he took two, oh my goodness. But I love they really added to Steve Martin's comedic physical humor. You know, him just like laying against the car window. <laughs> no, like, well, and then the whole thing with the prostate exam is so funny. <laughs> um, yes. But but yeah, then this whole sort of ending of the uh, the movie where there's the doctor who is going between both Annie and and Nina and uh, that whole thing, and then Frank and him have a bonding moment, which was super cute. Yes, and then Brian makes it at the last second, and Nina has to have a C-section. I did like that. Dr. Wagner comes in to save the day. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, and it was such a cute scene when George tells Nina when he first saw her. And they have, he knew that he was going to marry her. And, and, and she says, thanks for marrying me. And, and he says, thanks for marrying me, Nina. And, and they have, it, that was, that's a really cute moment. Yeah. What I love about the second movie is that I felt that, you know, part two, half, the first half of this movie was all comedy. And then Mm -hmm. the second half became drama. Yeah. Um, There was a nice, um, there was a nice balance between the two in, in this particular movie because, quite honestly, once they get to the hospital, it becomes very sentimental. It gets yeah. real at the point where they're like, "We, she needs a C-section. This is serious, you know, and it, yeah. it becomes heavier but not too heavy to the point where, like, we love these characters so much that if anything happens to Nina or Annie, we're like, oh, we're going to be devastated. So it did turn into a dramatic movie, which you don't really expect. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it does. They have these really sweet sentimental moments. And I, I think that some people might, might think it's over the top and it does get over the top of the prostate exam, things like that. But I think maybe you and I, some of the stuff that people think, Oh, that's ridiculous. But because we had families where we had, you know, like our moms having, you know, big families and stuff like that. We probably, I, I connect with this more than other people probably do. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And had, um, because I was a young aunt as well, but right. sister had her child, I was only nine. So mm-hmm. like, so I understood, uh, not yeah. her, um, Kieran, Culk, oh, what's his name? Maddie. Maddie, yes. I understood Maddie's question when he was like, uh, what am I to this child? I was like, yeah, I, I was in the same boat. I was like, I right. am a aunt, but I'm still a child too. Right. Yeah. So, because I, I was one of the older ones in, in my family, because I, I was 10, 16, and 18. So, when my mom. So, anyway, then they 
she and Van were going to Boston. And uh, so they see them saying goodbye. And it's just very sweet. Uh, then last summer, we had the Father of the Bride Part 3-ish, which was a special uh, for a food bank or something like that. Yes. Anyway, it was just 22 minutes. It was a Zoom little movie thing where Maddie ends up getting married uh, to Alexander Ship, who <laughs> plays Rachel. And it was so cute. I loved it. I loved it. It was so I good. Too. Quite honestly, I just rewatched it like 10 minutes before we started. And it's oh. so... It, and I love, again, we love this family so much because we haven't seen them in almost 30 years. Yeah. It still feels like we see them every day. They're still yeah. talking to each other as if oh. the time has passed. And yeah. we're right back into their lives. Because you I, know he'd be, like, obsessed with masks. and Yes. Yeah. It's so good. I love that they got Ben Platt to play George Jr. Oh and. And Florence Pugh to play Megan. Yeah. And like also great casting and great additions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I wish that we could get a full on part three. I would be so happy. I loved this casting. Same, same. And to get Robert Downey Jr. in as well. I mean, that's just the power of Nancy Myers. Yeah. Robert De Niro. Forgiving, forgetting everybody back together. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was one of the highlights of last summer. I loved it. It was so good. Yeah. Yes. And, and then you, so like if you just want a nice pick me up, you watch that. It's I, yes, I agree. And Ben Platt sings the way you look tonight at the end. And it was just like, oh, perfect. Well, it's, <laughs> it's everything you didn't know you needed. Yes. That's right. So, all right, well, let's, quickly do our ranking again this is tough for me because i have nostalgia for the modern ones mm-hmm. uh, but i think i will probably say i think i'll probably say that go with 91 then 1950 and then part two and then father's little dividend i think is how i would rank them yes you know what I completely agree. I was going to do the exact same order. So you oh, did it. Very good. Exact same. Yes. Good. All right. Well, let us know if you're listening, what you think of these four movies and how you would rank them. Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts in uh, the comment section. And Marissa, where can people find you? Everyone can follow me at Serafini TV. And yeah, nothing else. I do have to, before we go, my favorite moment in the second movie. And, you know, obviously any, any listeners, let us know your favorite moments in any of these movies, because there are a lot of good moments, uh, but was the, the working out, the baby working out. Oh yeah, that was cute. Working out in the, in the living room and the Frank just being. (laughs) um, So fun. Frank and honk. (laughs) (laughs) yeah let us know this has been an exorbitantly long podcast but i hope y'all have had fun listening to us talk about these movies and i've had a great time yes and you can find me at rachel's reviews all of our social media itunes youtube and on rotten tomatoes check that out and also you can find us at the hallmarkies podcast hallmarkies pod all of our social media if you're listening on itunes please leave us your ratings and reviews we really appreciate that and if you are listening on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel. 
We appreciate that so, so much. We have our patron group, which is only $2 a month to join. You can be part of our watch alongs and other activities in our Facebook group. Check out that. We also have our merch store, which has tons of fun uh, Hallmark inspired designs and other things. Take a look at that. And uh, thanks so much, Marissa. This was a blast. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. You know, I love doing these movie reviews with you. And, you know, I love Nancy Myers. Yes. <laughs> Myers related. So I'm so happy to talk about, you know, these movies. So thank you. It was really fun. All right. We'll talk to you later, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye.